In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the third Sunday after Pentecost. We're continuing in St. Matthew's Gospel. I'll commend to you again to read that Gospel over a few days. Uh, reading it over several months, it's easy to lose the contours of the narrative. So to read it on your own over a few days will help you to, to see the contours and to see the shape of the gospel and to capture some of the themes. And then you'll be reminded of them uh, on Sunday mornings when we read these uh, select passages. So we're still in that portion that we were in last week in chapter 10 where Jesus is calling the disciples and he's uh, sending them out. You remember that we talked about him saying to them, come and see. And then he says, come and do. And they participate in the ministry. Now he's saying, go and do. And we heard him tell them the why and we heard him tell them the what. He told them the why. Why is it Jesus sends them out? He sends them out because he has compassion on the crowds. That's why Jesus sends out the disciples. That's why we're here today. That's why we're called to be disciples. Because the Lord has compassion on those whom he loves. And we are here uh, to share in and participate in that compassion and love that God has for his people. So that's the reason why they're being sent out. What they're being sent out to do uh, is to heal they are healing, they're casting out demons, and they're preaching the gospel. So the message is very clear what it is that they're doing. Preaching the kingdom of God, healing those who are sick, casting out demons. Then this morning he's giving them the uh, how. So the how is the attitude in which they're supposed to be going out. Because they can do these things, they can have the reason why, they can know what it is that they're uh, supposed to be doing, uh, but they could do it in a half-hearted way, they could do it in a fearful way, uh, they could do it in a way that um, is uh, angry or uh, you know, uh, you know, recalcitrant. Right? They could kind of be saying, well, the Lord told us that we've got to do it. Right? They could do it hesitantly. He tells them to go out boldly and he tells them to go uh, out without fear. And there's just a couple of things that I want to focus on this morning. Uh, the first one is that he tells them to be uh, innocent and wise. So what does it mean to be innocent? To be innocent is to say, uh, we're not doing things the way the world does, right? We're not acting the way the world acts. We're not participating in their ways of vengeance. We're not participating in their ways of violence. Uh, we're going into these towns with innocence. So if you're persecuted, you're going to be persecuted for the gospel, not because you've been angry or malicious or vindictive or any of these violent ways of the world. So that's the first thing, to be innocent as doves. And then to be wise as serpents is to say that we have to know the ways of the world. So we don't participate in them, but we know them, which means that we're not going to be surprised when the world is violent or aggressive towards us. We're not going to be surprised when there is violence. We're not going to be surprised by wars. We're not going to be surprised by sickness. We're not really going to be surprised by anything because there's nothing new and we know the ways of the world. So there's no room in the Christian faith and discipleship be, to be surprised. We know what's coming, we know what's happened in the world, and we know what's going to happen again. We know there are going to be wars, and there's going to be persecution, and there's going to be violence, and all those things. So we're not going to be shocked by that. And what, what is beneficial about not being shocked is that it helps us to not be reactive. You know, so often in the world people are shocked, oh no, something bad has happened, we've got to do something, right? 
What does that do? That means that we are reacting, our actions and our attitude is being uh, driven by the world and the ways of the world. And that's not who we are. That's not our character. That's not our identity. Our identity is in the ways of God. He's not surprised. He's not reacting to the world. He's not uh, been shocked by any of this. He sent us out knowing that we would suffer and knowing that there would be hardship. So there's no room for this kind of surprise or reactivity in the Christian faith. Uh, We are on mission with a focus. We know who we are in God, and we're going to do that uh, no matter what the circumstance. So then when we have that character, when we have that identity in God, we're able to be uh, faithful. That is, we're able to be even, we're able to be self-controlled, we're able to be disciplined, and we're able to go into the world without fear. Because the Lord is clearly saying, you have nobody to fear but me. So he says it three times in this passage. He says, fear not. See, we can fear not when we realize, okay, there are people that can kill our bodies. We're not worried about that. There are people that can, uh, that can harm us. We're not afraid of that. All we're afraid of is him who can destroy the soul. And of course, that is God himself. If we separate ourselves from him, he says, I'll separate myself from you. Because he's a gentleman. He's not forcing himself on anybody. So if we confess him, he'll confess us. He's letting us take the move. He's invited us. He's extended his hand, but he's not grabbing it. Once we've got a hold of it, he's not letting go. But he's not going to force us. So all of us are going to get sick. All of us are going to die. All of our bodies are going to be separated from the soul because the body can't live without the soul and the soul can't live without God. Our souls cannot live without God. And so what we are to be afraid of is disbelief and sin and godlessness. So anytime we see sin or disbelief or godlessness, we go the other way. Because all those things would separate us from God, in whom there is life. And this is where Jeremiah was when he goes out into the world and he uh, says to the lost sheep of Israel, come uh, back to your father, come back to the Lord, and they persecute him for it. He loved the people of Israel. He loved the people of God. And he was acting out of compassion for them, out of the love that God had for them. And how do they react to him? By throwing him in prison. This verse here, uh, one of his good friends had just thrown him into jail. He's in jail when he's saying these things. And I love that Jeremiah says something that I personally can really relate to, just like Jonah. He says, I really wish I could keep my mouth shut. Right? Doesn't that make sense? To be put in jail for trying to help people that don't want to be helped, you're saying, wait, you're going away from God, your souls will be destroyed. You can't live without Him. And their response is to put Him in jail. And his response is, wait a minute, I love you, I'm trying to help you. I wish I could just keep my mouth shut and just go on about my business. 
But Jeremiah says, I can't because the word of the living God, because I've taken his hand and because his truth is within me, his Holy Spirit is speaking from within me, it would be like stopping a fountain from the earth. There's no stopping it. I have to speak the words of the Lord because the Holy Spirit is within me. See how opposite this is to how so many people talk about evangelism? where we've got to work really hard and we've got to stir up our courage and we've got to do all these things. If the Holy Spirit is within you and you have an opportunity, you can't help but to talk about the Lord. If it's easy to keep your mouth shut, this is when we need to go into repentance, right? Because we're not acting with God. We're not being obedient with Him. Right? We've been practicing stopping our mouth so much that we're not hearing His voice. If we're hearing His voice, we can't help but to proclaim His truth. And it's like that fountain with Jeremiah. We can't help but to proclaim it. Because we have identified with the the one man, as St. Paul says. St. Paul talks about the two men, right? Adam and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he says, if sin came into the world from one man, that's Adam. Grace and justification came through one man who is our Lord Jesus Christ. And how does he say that happened? How does he say that Jesus brought grace and justification? Through obedience. Disobedience, obedience. See how complex it is? Either doing what God says or not. That's how complex Christianity is. That's how complex faith is. Either you do what God says to do, or you don't. That's it. And he says, grace and justification have come through Christ by obedience. What does that mean, justification? Take a look at your your reading insert. This is how editors talk about justifying. Look at your front page of your reading insert. See the right-hand side of the page? This is the way of Adam. It's doing its own thing. See? Every, every line's a little bit different. Do you see that on the right-hand side of the page? How every end of the line is a little bit different? Do you see that? That's the way of Adam. Do you see the left-hand side of the page? Do you see how it's justified? Do you see how it all lines up? Do you see how it's all in a row and even? That's the way of Christ. Justified means we've been lined up with Christ. So he's at the top line. He's set the standard. He's determined righteousness. He's brought grace and mercy. These are the ways of God. And the question is, are we going to line up underneath Him? Or are we just going to do our own thing and be at odds? So when we repent of our sins and we say, Lord, you told me to do something, I didn't do it. You're asking me to do something and I did the opposite. We allow ourselves to be justified, to be straightened up in obedience according to God's will to be justified that's what he wants to do with us he wants to be justified but if we continue in sin and we say you know what I'm just going to keep doing my own thing then we become contagion we become disease we become that which threatens to separate the soul from God we become disbelief and disobedience and godlessness And the only thing to do with contagion is to burn it. Some people think that the the fire of Gehenna and, and the Lord's teaching about the fire of hell is somehow cruel or mean. It's about safety and health. 
the word Jesus uses for hell, Gehenna, is the name for the dump, the city dump of Jerusalem. So when you see that word Gehenna, you can just think the dump. I don't know if you've ever been just even to the transfer, the transfer station here in Henderson. If you've ever been there, maybe around the first week of August, right? It's about 120 in there, and there's dust, and there's baby diapers, and there's just disease, right? And filth, right? All on the floor. It's filthy, and it's putrid. That's hell. That's where all the trash goes. And because they couldn't cover it all up with bulldozers the way that we do, and because they didn't have Clorox, their only defense against contagion was fire. And so in the city dump of Jerusalem, Gehenna, there was a constant fire burning so that all the filth of the city, all the blood and the offal and the guts and the grime and the grease and the nastiness that would make them sick was taken to the dump and burned. Because they were mad at it? No. No. Because they wanted to be clean. Because they wanted to be healthy. All of our bodies will get sick and die, but our souls remain. And must be kept clean and healthy, justified and aligned with God and His ways in righteousness. And He will do whatever He can. And we are called to do whatever we are called to do to maintain godliness and order and obedience in our own hearts and the hearts of our families and our friends and our neighbors because our desire for their health and well-being is so powerful that it's a fountain that bursts from our hearts and our minds. Our love for them, our love and desire for them to be healthy and whole in the hands of God cannot be stopped no matter how much we want to keep our mouths shut for the persecution that will certainly come.